Welcome everyone to How to Father, a podcast on the amateurness of being a dad. I'm your host, Troy Rivas. Thank you guys. This is episode six. Um, we've had a lot of success lately. I'm super excited for what we have had in the past and what we have coming up in the future, especially today's episode. I want to give a great shout out. Thanks to Shay 808, my good friend Shay. He's the one who does all the music here. Great job. He, again, he's a award-winning billboard charting in music engineer. Works out there in LA. So Shay, thank you so very much for uh, supporting and providing the instrument, the beats for all the episodes here, the intro and the outros. Couple local businesses here. UN17 is a nice, is a speakeasy plus a nonprofit here in New Mexico. Uh, we have the Press Club, is another um, private member club here that has been supporting the podcast. I talked about Above Snakes, that is a local bo- men's boutique shop, which they do have a women's side coming up soon here in Old Town. Thank you guys, Above Snakes, for supporting us all the time. Navigation Realty Group, my real estate, real estate group here. And a great little fun spot, which is kind of how my guests and I met was volleyball. But we play at this place called Duke City Beaches, and they've been supporting us, even allowed us to put a little banner there. So we are on episode six. This has been a great journey. We're very very excited. We actually have listeners now in Nigeria, Costa Rica, and Germany, and of course in the United States. So I guess we're innocents worldwide. But enough of that, enough of the podcast and the names and this, this, and that. I want to welcome my, and I'm so excited to have you here. We've had many uh, wonderful conversations. Natasha, oh, excuse me, Dr. Natasha, am I saying this right? Najar? Yes. Dr. Natasha Najar, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh my gosh. Oh, very privileged to be here. Yes, yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, what you do, et cetera, where you're from, why you, why you don't like the Chicago Bears, anything else <laughs> like that. Oh, man. Um, how I lost my Chicago card. Yes, how you lost your yeah. Chicago card. So I'm, a, I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I got my undergrad at DePaul University. Um, after that, I moved to um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, okay. where I got my uh, PhD in clinical psychology. Okay. And that is where I became a Green Bay fan okay. and lost my, my Chicago card. Um, and I... Then I did an internship in Tucson, Arizona for a year that turned into about three years of staying in that area um, at the VA. Um, and my postdoc was here in Albuquerque, New Mexico about uh, four years ago. I had a two-year uh, postdoc. And so that brought me here. And, you know, I think this city has lived up to its reputation of um what is it? The city of the entrapment. So New Mexico is a very beautiful state. Uh-huh. And our state motto is the land of enchantment. It is. And everyone goes to the land of entrapment is kind of where it yeah. kind of ends up. But you know, I, I never really anticipated I was going to stay here that long. But um, after my postdoc, I decided to go into private practice. And so here I am making a, a home out of Albuquerque, which has been delightful. And, and we are very happy to have you here. Thank so you. Uh, you, you said you're from Chicago yes. and everything like that. Tell me about Chicago and life in Chicago. And and I, I'm going to preface this because... Uh, I was going to say please because that's a loaded question. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, but before we, we dive into this, I know uh, you had a little reservations. And I, and of course, you, you hear... You hear things that you think you might hear instead of the actuality of what it is. And it's like, why do you have a female on a podcast about fatherhood and dads? And I think, well, A, we all need to learn maybe some tenderness or whatnot. But I think with your background, 
uh, as a psychologist and all that fun stuff will give us a lot of guided light. And it's not, we're not here to, we'll touch on this more to, in a sense, women'splain. Right. Um, being a dad and all that fun stuff. But we, you were a daughter to a father. So about that experience and then kind of how you see things moving forward. So that's what the podcast is going to be on. So don't uh, run away saying, oh, here comes another woman telling us how to do. It's funny when you, it, the best sex tips for men is on Cosmo magazine. Mm-hmm. And that's probably because women know what they want type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's different things like that. that makes sense. And I think in this case, it does make sense. So, yeah. um, but tell us about your upbringing in Chicago and mm-hmm. Uh, are you a, are you a Polestar girl? Are you like a beef sandwich? Like tell us all about- the above. Okay, yeah, and Chicago food. I I miss that's probably the one thing I miss the most, which is probably why I go home so frequently. Um, yeah, no, a, a Polish hot dog or Polish dogs the most, um, and Maxwell style Polishes specifically. Okay. So caramelized onion, mustard, that's the way to go. So that, I have a question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> this is. My kiddos, uh, your kids kind of, they follow suit on what you know. And I tell them all the time, when it comes to hot dogs, when it comes to hamburgers, ketchup doesn't belong in it. I like ketchup. I like ketchup on fries and ketchup with tater tots and stuff like that. But when it comes to a good dog Uh and a good hamburger, you don't put ketchup on it. So I'm laughing a lot because this is probably the first place where I should have lost my Chicago card. Um, A traditional like Chicago dog definitely does not have ketchup. In fact, you have a lot of really old school um, hot dog stands that specifically will tell you, like, we don't do ketchup on our hot dogs exactly. here. Um, but I always have. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. ketchup and relish were my thing. That's why you became a Packers fan. <laughs> relish is good, though. I like relish. That's <laughs> where <laughs> so I became a Packers fan. Yes, absolutely. So you grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Are, your, is your, are your parents originally from Chicago? My mother and her whole family are originally from um, Chicago. And actually, my mom um, was born in Mexico. Okay. Um, but she immigrated here when she was five. And so um, my grandfather was already living here at that time and, and worked um, here. So um, that's where my family came my dad's actually originally from Pueblo, Colorado. Oh, wow. That's not far from here. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about this. I just really, I have a lot of family in Pueblo, which. That's right. I forgot about that. Probably some, like, we got to look back. I guarantee we we're like distant cousins or something. We have that would to. be really neat. Yes. That would make a lot of sense. Yes, it kind of would. Yes. Yeah, both of my parents, um, they were both protesters. So they were very largely politically involved and okay. such. And they were really heavily involved in the Chicano movement at the time. Nice. Um, and so. They they met twice. I think the first time was in Boulder, Colorado, okay. and then the second time was in D.C. Oh, nice. Wow. And then from there, it was just kind of history. They had a short, long-distance relationship, and then my dad decided to move up to Chicago. Okay. He had ambitions of going to Colorado and maybe starting this one program in, at Stanford or something and decided instead to go to Chicago and be with this lady who he's been writing letters to oh, and, and phone funny. calls Um and uh, I mean, you, the rest is history. You think about the days of writing letters and phone calls and stuff right. like that. And, and it's as easy now as like you shoot it, send a text. And most of the yes. texts are like, okay, they're vague or they're this. And then you're. And this was long distance phone calls. Like my oh. gran- my grandfather used to joke at him and what well, was more profanity like, in this, but it was like, you guys are such idiots. Like for as much as money that you're spending on these long distance phone calls, you could be spending on flights. That's back and forth. You know, because when they collect, them. well, they made a lot of money. They, yes, they, made, they really did. Right, yeah. things that we take for granted yeah. now. I mean, you think about a lot of, a lot of things like one eight hundred collect. Like you, 
what was it mm-hmm. called a box where yes. you paid to watch mm-hmm. a music video i remember, the remember those yep. like oh you pay like whatever wow. it was and mm-hmm. you like and there was really like no method to it like i don't even know if i'm gonna get my video shown but i paid for it and exactly. i'm just continue to watch this until the video and now we just go on youtube yep and watch anything we want we go on tiktok or whatever the case Absolutely. is so so your parents wrote let of love letters back they and did. forth and all that fun stuff and they ended up in chicago and are you an only child i know you have a brother no i have one brother yeah okay are you the eldest i am the oldest okay and then it's just he and i um and we're super close that's great like he's my best best friend i love and adore him Demise's pieces oh. yeah that's so, probably i think i mean yes being away from my parents is super hard but probably being away from my brother is the hardest i get that i get that that makes sense that makes sense so tell us tell us about your relationship with your dad my relationship with my dad okay well it it's probably fair to start off and say i'm I'm a complete and total daddy's girl okay okay um anybody that knows me knows knows that fact um we have a really really good relationship um and um i'm probably the closest to him but i had to work really really hard on getting my our relationship to where it is today okay um my dad is he's very old school right and so i think he definitely comes from this generation of like you're more stereotypical like authoritarian authoritative sort of dad right like do as i say do it just because i said it yeah right don't answer me back um but he's also really really you know kind and wonderful and very generous um definitely i think holds his identity as a provider and helper and just doing everything for his family like doing stuff for us is was his role and it still continues to be okay right um like he was just here a couple weeks ago as i was moving and you know my my dad's almost 70 and he's got you know physical ailments and such and he's still still like you know how can i pack this and do you need me to move this here and i'm like dad it's okay i got it no 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 what can i do Right. So he definitely finds a lot of like usefulness and and helping and being there for me and and providing help in every single possible way. Um, And so, yeah, we have a really special relationship. I mean, it's it's been tough. It's complex, right? Mm -hmm. Like every relationship. Um, He's also your your very kind of like stoic silent type in some ways. And I'm super talkative. So that's required me like really pushing him kind of outside of his comfort zone. Okay. Okay. Um, for better or for worse. And it, it's worked out well for us. It, it's funny because I was talking to um, a dad, golly, this was years ago, and his daughter, she's young, and she just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he said, I was a talkative person until I had her. Cause I couldn't get a word <laughs> in. And I'm not saying that's your dad. But. Well, you know what, though? It's possible because my mother talks even more than I do. And, you know, I think between the both of us. You guys it, just shuttle down. Yeah, he has no voice. Poor guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like a. I pick my battles and I'm just going to sit back here and smile yeah. and love my girls. But that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. So with, with, with that dynamic of your dad, mm-hmm. clearly you guys are close. Like you said, I mean, he came, he flew down here. Uh, both of my parents. Both of your parents flew down here uh, mm-hmm. to help you move and all that fun they stuff. They were actually just here to vacation, but because it was so close to my move, you know, he definitely tried to make that part of the trip. And I tried to resist that as much as possible. It, it, it's it's something I don't have daughters mm-hmm. um, and and of course I love my boys to death yeah. and I'm will be there for them in, in every every which way shape or form but it, it's special when you see a dad like drop everything mm-hmm. for their girls like is 
It's something that we talked of the last episode with, or two episodes ago with right. Sky. He has two little girls. Yeah. And you can see, like, he, him talking about his son. He's so proud and excited. Mm-hmm. Then when he brings up his baby girls, he just light. He lit up. And I'm just sitting there yeah. watching him like, man, I know it's not the 110 degree sun yeah. that's beating through this window. It's like he was so excited about his little girls. And I, um, yeah, I definitely can see that. My my dad does a lot of that. Yeah. You know, I think raising a girl is, is is probably a little bit different and also really hard, I would imagine, as a dad. I think so. I, I, I've always always said if I had a girl, I'm going to raise her to be the biggest brat in the world. So mm-hmm. she can be picky and have these like stand, these <laughs> standards. But it's more than me making her like have these standards. It's me showing her mm-hmm. how to be treated as a man, as right. to a woman. Absolutely. Uh, and do you feel like that representation your dad had molded you to who you are today and you're like you know what i have standards because my pops uh-huh. is here like my pops is 1-800-COLLECT like you know, frequent flyer yeah. back in the day i was thinking about that a lot and i don't think i realized how much he has um influenced my standards and such um and he definitely did he he very much like caters to my mom um and is very um like accommodating in a positive way, but okay. in a way that I always just kind of saw as normal. Right? Yeah. Somebody who goes above and beyond their way with like gestures and gifts and just just normal thoughtfulness, right? Um, and so, you know, of course, as you're dating and navigating and realize like, no, not not everybody does that. That's no. weird. Well, it's, but, and that's, that's a good, I think good point for most men out there is for them to realize that when you're raising girls, mm-hmm. when you're raising daughters, you're not just raising them to be, the best pianist in fourth grade or this is that you're raising them to sh- you're showing them how they should be treated and Absolutely. how they should be respected and and how your relationship with their mom is even if you're in a relationship or not it's a big part of that so yeah as you saw your dad probably not just like oh my mom your mom's like oh i need this he's like okay i'll get it he's like no i want to give this to you out of the like the kind sure. of my heart etc yeah. you like oh i think i deserve that too and and they both did, right? I mean, and all credit to my mom. She was very, or she is, she's still very loving and giving um, throughout too. So I think that also taught me a lot on like how to treat your like significant exactly. other. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, my father, I remember like one thing that always sticks out to my memory is uh, my dad and I were walking down the street one day and um, he moves me right to like his, um, to his left side. And I was like, why do you always do that? <laughs> and he was like, whenever you, this must have been before I started dating. He was like, whenever you start dating and get serious about the guy, if he does not move you into like the inner he's side. Not the one. Exactly. He's not the one. And I was like, why? And, 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 you know, when he explained everything about like the protective piece, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because my dad is so about being like, not just the provider, but the protector in our exactly. family. Um, and I think, you know, that was a huge value for him. But also, like, if I think about two other values he really instilled was, like, family. Okay. And, and family in so many ways, right? Like, being there for my mom, being there for him, being there for my brother. Um, and, like, kindness and generosity. And that that's important. And it's it's different facets, right? As a man, yeah. you have different facets of caring for your family, for your spouse, for whoever, for friends. Absolutely. You have that protective factor. I was driving to a coffee shop one day and I saw this little couple walking, they're holding hands. And he was on the inner side of the street. I'm sitting there like, I wanted to stop and say, hey, Bo, just switch sides, just switch uh-huh, sides. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure like why, whatever the case is. And I, and, and I get it, like 
I could protect myself too. I get how, how the, the times are. And that's fine. You can. Right. But as a man, it's like, you don't have to. Like, I'm, I'm here too. Like, if right. I, I, I would like you to be like I do with my kids, do it with everyone. Um, and that, that's good that your dad showed you that. Not just told you, but showed yeah. you that. And that shows that, that dynamic there too for when you move on uh, as you are getting. Absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, while I'm probably a little bit more of, of the feminist than he anticipated I was going to be. Um, and sometimes, you know, as I've, as I grown up, that's, we've butted heads a little bit on that. Um, you know, it's little things like that lesson, right? Where when I'm dating somebody new or now even with my current partner, um, when he automatically did that, I was like, Ooh, I like this. Okay. You're good. You're good. Right. Instead of sort of this other like feminist piece of me that's like, no, I don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't need that. No, no, no. Instead it was, it's like, okay, so you're, you're a good one. Got it. Well, it it's, it's funny, the whole feminist idea in, um, I guess, malice. I, I don't know if yeah. what's a term for men's side mm-hmm. is that we're, we're this, we're that, we're mm-hmm. this, but there's, there's moments when you're, you get surprised and you're like, oh, you, you fixed a sink. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. All right, cool. Like, and it's not like, well, that's my that's my job. What do you mean? And the whole thing is like, I can protect myself. I can do. Oh, well, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you for. But it, and it shows that your dad was not just a vocal representation of how you should be treated as a woman, but he showed that not just with you but with your mom. And that's I think that's an important thing that I tell a lot of both guys and and gals like. If you're a gal, you're in a situation that's maybe abusive or not in the right situation, and you have kids, especially girls, you're not just showing them it's okay to stay in that, but you're like, if they get in a relationship like that, Mm -hmm. that they, oh, my mom went through it, or my dad was an ex, so I guess I have to follow suit. Yeah, so much of our learning is, you know, influenced by our social learning, right? And even when we don't, you know, anticipate that we're going to mimic those behaviors or we want to do better, we still end up falling into those dynamics of, you know, learning to receive or treat others based on what we were taught by our parents. And and that's that's a tough thing. It's it's a tough thing to reverse. And so pivoting from your experience as a daughter in a childhood, the outlook of the father the father figure or fatherhood. And we're getting to a time, and uh, we talked about this, in the, a time in our world where feminism, which uh, to me, had, I, it has its place. I'm, I'm on against them. I'm like, oh, you need to stay in the kitchen. Not Nothing like that. But it's getting to the point where it feels like the male identity, especially fathering, is starting to change some. So as a psychologist, and I know you're not like, I'm a, I deal with dads and dads only. I know this is a very, I just, I love your mind. And we've had, Oh, many different conversations about everything and we just kind of go we, we just like do spit fire and we're just sitting there like wait that's been two hours exactly. you probably should get back to work <laughs> or whatever the case is um i remember one time we were at sandbar when we where we first met when playing volleyball and we were just sitting there just talking back and forth and our whole like little volleyball group was kind of like what is happening right yes i remember exactly what you're talking about and we yes. just like sat there just had a drink and just talked and we talked about everything mm-hmm. and it was just because i i think your your mind not just the education behind it just you just have such a uh, just a very interesting deep mind that's why we were, was so excited that you said so yes. do you that's why we we sync so well i think so and i was so excited when i was like do you want to join a couple of podcasts and 
And of course, all the thoughts in my head that she's a woman, she doesn't, oh, she's not a man, she's not a, she will never be a father. But those are my same insecurities that I shared with you before coming in. So yeah. So with with the, with the, uh, put on your, I guess your therapist hat, all that fun stuff, the importance of fatherhood in today's day, what do you see in, in, in your practices or just in general, what the outlook of a father is to the world today? Yeah, I think we're finally giving that question more um, more thought and serious consideration, right? I think, you know, looking at it from a research perspective, a lot of the original research was looking at, like, the role of moms, right, yes. on, you know, psych- um, psychological outcomes for kids and all these things. Um, and I think a lot of the role of the father was largely minimized, Um because, you know, traditionally dads were just viewed as the provider, right? And um, I think we had sort of old school ideas that, you know, much of the nurturing and all the original attachment stuff, the important stuff, right, came from the mother-child exactly. dynamic. And, you know, um, in the last couple of decades, we're realizing that's not the case. You know, um, the role of the father is actually a very, very huge um, and important presence as well. Um and so, you know, it's it's been linked to a lot of, you know, having a quality relationship, right, with um, your father, but also both parents, right? Um, because it's not just about who's spending enough hours with the kid. It's, it's like the actual quality of the time spent. And we see that at least now, um, you know, men's, or I should say fathers, um, the time that they're spending with their children is grown exponentially. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, so is that quality time, right? So, you know, when there's that good sort of dynamic and connection, right? You, you know, for fathers and daughters, right? That elicits a lot of like positive trust and self-esteem and potentially positive outlooks and like, you know, relationships and how you find your relationships and such. Um, and um, like self-confidence and things. Um, and, you know, I also kind of see a lot of that too in in my practice, right? Um, you know, I was just talking to a client about this today, right? Her her notions of, and this is, tends to be a theme, right? People's, especially with relationships, right? When they don't have a father who's very in the picture or such, sometimes don't really have a healthy dynamic or healthy example to draw upon as far as like what is what should i be expecting from a partner um what is a good role model of you know love and relationship um or you know sometimes even i think neutrally not just with a father-daughter relationship but when you have your your kind of um very kind of stoic parent or father right who's you know all about like make me proud and you know doesn't give really a whole lot of like positive feedback you can eventually kind of raise a person who's constantly seeking reassurance right or constantly doubting themselves as not being enough because they weren't given enough encouragement and praise um i also come across a lot of young men today who really feel like they don't know what it means to be a man growing up especially like a lot of the 24 20 20 year olds um, who really are not understanding what it means to really be in their identity because like dad didn't teach me. And it's not that they have absentee fathers by any means, but sometimes really like, um, I guess the term I would use is like very lenient parenting. 
very passive parenting yes. where it's like, you know, I'm just not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to let you kind of figure this out. I don't want to put any rules on you. I don't want to put any limitations on you. I'm not going to, you know, I want to just let you kind of develop and figure that out. Well, kids need structure. They do. And, and that's a good point. There's a lot of a lot of good points there. I've been taking notes as we've been going. But to touch on your last point, that whole idea of kids need structure, but they need to have structured ideals that are male and female. Absolutely. It, yes. it, it can't be. And sure, dads, we're not just like the authoritarian and this, that, that. We, we have to be empathetic. We have to teach and show. Yeah. And same with moms. Moms, there's times where like, you have to be struff and tall and tell the kids, oh, well, this, this, and that, mm-hmm. but still have that motherly feminine touch to it. And the issue what I'm seeing is this whole idea of male, female. And, I, and I'm not talking about genders, identity. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about the gender role between a mother and a father mm-hmm. is shifting in a lot oh, of- it absolutely is. Yeah. And, you know, I think if we look at the fact that traditionally, right, father's role was to be the provider, mm-hmm. right? Especially when that was sort of taken in a time where that was true because they were the main breadwinner of the home, right? But now you have more typically speaking, more homes where you have two working parents. So they both may be the providers, yeah, right? And so I think with that is more pressure now for equal and fair parenting. Exactly. Right. And and I think that is can be challenging because I don't think that we've, um, especially fathers, have enough like models as to what that looks like, right? What it means to be a, um, a collaborative or fair parent or even like, and what I'm referring to about fair is like, right, fair and responsibilities, but even a conscientious parent. Okay. You know, I know you and I talked a lot about yeah. that last time. And so... Um, what it means to do things very intentionally, right? Like thinking about the effect that when you're talking to your kiddo like this, like how is that conversation going to go, right? When you're just barking at them and telling them what to do versus trying to understand and maybe explain it in a way that is a little bit more like thoughtful and helping them build some insight, right? Um, that's not how many of us were raised. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. Um, and I also think that, you know, there's also a lot of stereotypes, right? You know, that women have, or yeah, I would say women um, and mothers have like the maternal instinct, right? And therefore, if if fathers don't have a fatherly instinct, right, that kind of just puts them outside of the, the box and being able to hold that same kind of space. But, you know, I don't actually think that either really applies. And so, you know, there's definitely a role, I think, for a father to be a very conscientious, equal partner. I don't think that mothers necessarily have an inherent edge in the game. I think it's just been a lot of, like, socialization history, right, of of that gendered kind of um, conditioning. Well, if you look back, and you're 100% right, if you look back at the history of history, mm-hmm. fathers are the hunter-gatherers. They're the providers and the soldiers. They go off to war. They, they're out here. They might, they might come back. They might not. The moms, and even to as recent as the 60s, 70s, where the dads are at work, moms are at home. They're providers. They're taking the kids to school, taking kids there. And if the dad was available, mm-hmm. he'll be there. And there was a 1962, and if you Google it, it's like the rules, there was like rules of when dads got home that the mom had a change your outfit from the day, mm-hmm. put a dress on, put fresh makeup on, the food had to been ready, the kids have to be quiet 
-hmm. He needs to sit on his chair, decompress for as long as he can. Then when he is ready, then you could kids have a few minutes to talk to him. So the, the, the experience between uh relationship between most kids and their dads was very limited. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's been it forever because yeah, like you said, the, the maternal instinct is like, well, I'm the mom, I'm this. I, and that's fine. And moms probably play a bigger, a bigger role than we can even imagine. But what you said earlier was the fraternal or paternal instinct of this dad. We don't, we're not quote, we don't have that, which we weren't never really truly, we don't have a blueprint. For I don't it. exactly. I don't think it's been cultivized. Right. I mean, I, I think that it's not so much an instinct as it has been a generate for, for women, right? Maternal instinct has been not something we're inherently born with, right? But like historically something that has just been passed on and passed on, right? Exactly. Because that's how it's been socialized or normalized. I don't think we've had a chance to really cultivate um, this concept or idea of like paternal instinct. Well, and, and I felt like we were headed that way mm -hmm. and we still could be. Absolutely. We, we were headed to a direction of here is this idea of fatherhood, of fathering, of we're, we're, we've been in a generation of multi, uh, both parents are working. So, uh, mm -hmm. and then each house is different. Okay. I'll, I'll take them to swimming, but you got to pick them up or I have to do, you drop them off. I pick all these different things, but you, we were working together. We were, I think we had a better understanding of how to work together as, uh, as a, as a relationship with mother and father, mm -hmm. uh, to our kids. Then now it's starting to switch where it's like, okay, well, the idea of a man is bad now. It's, it's, uh, you're, you're, you can't quote unquote mansplain how yeah. to do things. And, a good point. and really as dads, we're not trying to mansplain anything. We're really just like, we don't know what to do 90% of the time. That's why, that's one of the main reasons why I started this podcast was like, we're trying to figure this out, yeah. but I want to have a blueprint, at least for myself specifically for my boys. So when they get older, they understand, okay, I don't have to just work until I fall, fall over. Mm -hmm. I don't have to just work just to provide this, this, and that. Right. I mean, we, I've traveled before I was in Costa Rica, shout out to the Costa Rican, uh, uh listeners there, Puerto Vida, you guys are great. But, um, I was there and I just saw the simplicity of life there. Mm -hmm. It was like, we worked to work, but we didn't work with, but we live to live, mm -hmm. Puerto Vida, live life. And, and the, I, I'm watching this guy, it was a guy that was from Canada and he had his little family and all this other stuff. And I'm just chit-chatting with this guy there. And he said, the idea, the understanding of just, I'm here for my kids. It's okay. I was talking, we went scuba diving, right? And my good friend, Alan, um, thank you, Alan, for listening over there in Philadelphia. But um, he, we were out there on the scuba and then sat there and said, oh yeah, we're fishing. We had a new fishing chart. I said, oh, did you catch anything? He's like, no. I was like, well, that sucks. It's like, not really. I was on the ocean fishing. Right. And, and, and the, the idea of that, it's like an American idea is like, we have to, we have to always catch the fish. We always have to get this, get the bigger house, the bigger car, the bigger that. And no matter what it takes, we're going to have to like level up, level up. Mm -hmm. When all we have to do is sit still and be in the moment, the present moment. And, and as dads, we've never, we're never taught that. Right. We're taught to shut up, work hard, provide for your family take your family photo every three Christmases and then kind of go from there. And in, and with what you said, it's very important. I, it kind of just crossed my mind. It's, we don't have a blueprint for this. Yeah. I read this book called hunt, hunt, gather parents, mm -hmm. amazing book. And she's a therapist that goes around the world, her and her daughter. And they're kind of figuring out how to, the, 
non-westernized europeanized idea of like parenting and family how this like the tribal ways in the old uh, old asiatic countries etc how they've always parent as a family group mm-hmm. there but there still was that in a sense roles for fathers to be the hunter gatherers and all this other stuff sure. instead of being like there and providing for these kids yeah and so that i think that to me so in in that case how have you seen the effects of that? I know you, you've you been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and to our next point, the the effects of being a dad, being a present dad, how that benefits us as kids mm-hmm. to adolescents, to adults. Have you seen the benefits and then the the detriments that it has caused? That? Yeah. Sure. No, I absolutely have. You know, I think um, I've definitely witnessed the effects, you know, the positive effects of having a good-natured or supportive, right, like father-child dynamic, right, whether that be with their son or daughter, um, right, where especially when they can go to dad and dad is kind of this even keel, stereotypically, right, it's like kind of the even keel, like emotional person, yeah, because moms tend, stereotypically tend to not be, um, and and I think, you know, that's always great when you can, when I hear about folks who, who always had that kind of father figure where they knew, okay, if I'm in a jam, at least I can go here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also seen where it's like, I'm scared of both of my parents, yeah. right? And and so therefore now we have a whole lot of hiding behavior and, and, and shame and guilt and, um, or even very like authoritative parents, right? Where it's like, dad just shamed everything that I said. And so I see that in the effect of like people who grow up not learning how to voice their concerns, right? They're very conflict avoidant and um, and have really, really poor assertiveness skills. I get that. Yeah, that, that's, that, that to me is a very important thing because you have a lot of people who are afraid to speak their mind. Absolutely. Oh, male and female because of their upbringing, mm-hmm. because of the, there, there, there's, there's a, there's a couple of videos, Instagram reels that are pretty funny, but at the same time, kind of scary and damning. There was a guy like a race car driver and it, or a football player or whatever. He put, yeah. put his sport or put it anything. And your girlfriend slash wife is in the stands mm-hmm. and then a car crashes or the football player fumbles the ball or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But then the next clip is your dad's in the stands and then you're like zooming past everyone, wins the championship, catches the Super Bowl winning catch. Mm. And it's that mindset. And sure, as as dads, we want our kids to be proud, but not in this like fear mindset of like I gotta make them proud. I have to make yeah. them proud. Yeah. I have to like do things above mm-hmm. and beyond my abilities to make them proud. I have a guest, uh, my next guest is my buddy Alex Tennant, who's a father and he coaches his sons in sports. And so we're going to touch on that. Sure. And, um, and, and that's the whole thing about like, again, fathering, we don't know really how to really make that happen. Mm-hmm. We just think like, okay, we're supposed to be like, make our kids tough. We're supposed to toughen our kids and, and show this, show our boys to be tough and strong and better than this and better than that. And like, who cares if they get second place or the other people you have to win. If you're first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last type of thing. You know, and that's such an interesting thing because I don't think that, well, I don't have to think about that a little bit more, but I could see ways, at least personally, where 
wanting to make my parents proud or wanting to do things maybe in spite of them, so maybe that's not pride, um, was a good motivator. Um, but another way is where, like, for example, the quick thing that comes to my mind is um, I remember when I was about to graduate college, um, my dad said something to the effect of, so you have about three months to find a job or else I'll find one for you. And I kind of already knew what sort of line of work he was going to have me do. And I was so determined to, like, not go in line with, you know, this city of Chicago working in some kind of political field was going to be. Um, and so I was determined, like, I'm going to figure out something myself. Yeah. Um, on the opposite end, when he would kind of put his same sort of, like, stipulation on my brother, I think he was more okay with, like, you know, going with whatever dad gave him. And so I think there's a, a personality difference then, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But I think that there is some times where, yeah, wanting to make a parent proud isn't inherently the worst thing in the world. No. But you're right. There's a small sort of thin line of where that becomes like the central thing when you're pushing yourself too much to a certain limit because you're desperately wanting to get their approval. Or you haven't heard from dad especially that like, it's okay if you don't do this or it's okay if you lose this game. Right. Like, I'm still going to be proud. I'm still going to love you regardless. And that, that's where that's the important part right there. Right. And and that was going to be my my continuation to what you said. It's nothing's wrong for us to make our parents proud or make our. But it's wrong when as a dad, mm -hmm. that's all I expect. Yeah. When it, you tell him it's OK, if if my son plays soccer, he becomes the greatest soccer player in high school, but he says, you know what, I'm kind of bored with soccer, I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, okay, yeah, let's, let's, where, what do you want to do? It said, no, I put so much time and effort, I did this. We try to live so vicariously through our kids, because mm -hmm. of course, every dad, I was one injury away from making the pros, <laughs> I was this and mm -hmm. that and whatever the case is, right? And it's always, we were, we were always like one step away from doing something great. So then we try to implement that in our kids because really that's all we know. It's like, okay, as a dad, we're men, we're prideful. I want my son to be the number one ex and I want my son to be playing collegiate sports and professional sports or whatever the case is, because that's the first male, like I thought he's going to be a running back or quarterback or whatever. Right. And instead of really kind of going to the kids and like, oh, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And then if that shifts, then that's okay. Like I think as it's okay for kids, like you said, to want to make their parents proud, but it's not for okay for parents or as fathers to force you have to make me proud. Absolutely. And there's something really powerful about a father giving that message. I don't know, maybe but just because socially we know like mom is always going to traditionally give those messages, but there's just something uniquely like extra in that when dad gives you that reassurance, right? And I think this is a really interesting time where I don't think dads realize like how unique their power and and um place can be right how valuable well and and, and, the, and you're right I mean it's you if you go I grew up in a church mm -hmm. and you always hear the old aunties and grandmas take your time baby take your time with someone sure sure take it a little like a little nervous or this and that and then you look at the dads and it's like oh my god you need to let's just say it spit it out just say what you want to say and I've been caught with that. I've been like, come on, Cam, and just like, just open your mouth and let it, instead of like, okay, like you said, let's, where are you at? Mm -hmm. let, let, let me come down to your level, kind of, what do you need to do? Do you need to take time? You need to do this. 
instead of me trying to force them anything out of them. And I think that's the issue with fatherhood. We try to force this like idea of who they should be and who they want to be or who they could be right. instead of finding out who they want to be who they are. and who yes. they are and who they, they feel like they could inspire to. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I like Max, he's like, I'm not a good artist. Ken is a good artist. And I'm like, well, you're no, you're a good artist. Uh, you can't compare yourself to Ken. First of all, he's three years older than you. He's been doing this a little bit longer, but then that's not really an excuse. I'm like, no, you do yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, you look at someone else for inspiration, but not as competition. Sure. And I think as parents, you're like, oh, well, then be better than him. Mm-hmm. Then do this. And, then- and I wonder anecdotally, too, if there's a difference when fathers do that with their sons versus with their daughters, right? I, f- I wonder anecdotally, and this is sort of, again, based on anecdotal experience, um, whether there's a, a pressure to help facilitate this ideal, like, male identity, right, that you're trying to cultivate within your sons. Mm-mm. Whereas dads are not going to do that so much with their daughters, right? Because are they in the author- they're, they're not going to see themselves as the authority of, like, developing a, a, a woman's identity. Well, we, 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 cause we, A, yeah, we don't know what we're doing when it comes exactly. to that. But B, it's, it's true because we feel, what do we know? We know right. to be providers and to be the strength and to be this and to be that yeah. and to be, to never show emotion, to never show any compromise just to be like the stern we'll talk about chicago the train hub of the united states of america people don't know that but all the trains come out of chicago Mm -hmm. and but to be that train on the track then we're going point a to point b no matter what Mm -hmm. and if we mess up no one's going to know because we're just going to keep going straight sure and so we try to implement that on our sons because that's our blueprint that's all that's all your blueprint right and if your blueprint is like this is what it means especially thinking about sons right what it means to be a man right i gotta teach my son this then maybe it's worthwhile examining and really thinking about like, what is my um, my ideology on what it means to be a man, right? What did I learn? Do I agree with what I learned? If I had the opportunity, do I want to shift that? Do I want to change that? Do I want my son to have a different um, identification exactly. with that? Well, I feel that the male experience doesn't need to change as easy evolve. We should want to protect our family. We should want to provide for our family. But at the same time, we should want to be down there and say, how can I help you? Yeah. And how can I be better to help you? Right. Because we, we don't know it all, but that's the issue. We, we've been taught and trained to know it all. Mm-hmm. Moms are the empathetic one. They're the soft one. They're the ones that, that come and hug and cuddle you. And dads that know they just give you a high five or just say put some dirt on it and run off into the back into the game yeah. type of thing and if us men as fathers if we could show empathy mm-hmm. to not just our daughters because we do to our daughters yeah if our girls get a little cut oh baby girl come here and oh no 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 and it's funny because like there's of course the whole like the memes and the videos of uh-huh. the daddy's girl and like yes there, there was one where this baby was crying and my, my brother-in-law and sister just had a baby. I was like, oh, this is going to be Odette to Terrence. And she's crying with the mom, she's crying with the mom. And then the dad comes and she just looks at him. She's probably like one, if that. And he gives her a kiss and he walks away. She starts crying again. And they're like, come, what are you doing? Come back. And she, he picks her up and he's so soft and cuddly with her. And she's come smiling because she's so happy to be by her dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, the whole mama's boy and daddy's girl type of thing. But yep. It doesn't have to be that way. Like, 
Because with men, I mean, I have two boys. I don't have any girls. And right. I always joke, like, oh, if I had a girl, I'll watch it. And I'll, I'll oh, be like, man, watch out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is going to be my, she's going to be on my side, on my hip. Mm-hmm. Because in my, that's my blueprint. I'm thinking, like, if I had a baby girl, I love my sons. I always love my sons, but it's going to be an extra set of like care and love for my little girl. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I want to talk to more fathers who have girls and, and boys, kind of that experience. But, I think kind of where this this whole conversation is going is the the changing of the blueprint of fatherhood yeah. is very important, and it's not changing men. Not saying you don't be a man and don't be don't be on the left side of the street. Right. Don't go to work and provide for your family, but evolve. Change. Evolve, right? We don't have to change the rhetoric, but can we add some new definitions to what that means to be a good male right exactly in in today's day and age right for so for example and and granted this is some of my psychobabble terminology here but right but this idea of even of like being more emotionally intelligent right Mm -hmm. or more simply put just being more intuitive to um and self-aware right of your emotional experiences of just emotions in general how to you know convey um being expressive with them and allowing that, right? We have a whole lot of interesting, you know, um, stereotypical beliefs around, um, you know, it, demonstrating motion is weakness, right? And mm-hmm. crying yeah. is a weakness. And, and this goes for, for both men and women, right? Um, depending on the kind of household they grew up in. Um, are you, as you put it, right, that you, you fall and scrape your knee and just put a Band-Aid and put some dirt on it, right? Exactly. Stop crying. Get back out. Um, but I think that there there may be, you know, some opportunities for for fathers too to realize like, okay, if I'm gonna male or right, son or daughter, um, to to really raise a very conscientious human being in today's day and age requires that not only do I gotta give them skills on how to like protect themselves and be strong and and be, you know, um adventurous and all these other things, but you know, also how to be like adequately emotional human beings, right? The mom doesn't have to just be the only one doing that. And and that that's I think that's a very important thing, not just for the immediate family, but society as a whole. Absolutely. And as as we as we move on with this, it's the idea of society and how much if we work together in everything, how much things are easier. Mm-hmm. If the mother and the father in the household works together, things will be will flow better. Oh, absolutely. But, and when it comes to fathers as kids, we we can't we can't we have to stop walking around like we are the guy. Like we're it we're the. It's what we say, what we do. We walk in like it should be dad's home. Yes, okay, hey dad, here's my day. Instead of oh dad's home, oh, okay, like let's make sure everything's clean. Let's make sure everything's right. Let's ma- do everything to make him proud of us or or not mad at us. It should be the, it shouldn't be that. Dad way. shouldn't be feared. Exactly. Right. And, and but oh, and inherently there shouldn't be this kind of good guy, bad guy, right? Where the bad guy is dad. And it thinks inherently a lot of times men get that role or fathers get that role, right? They they get to be the disciplinarian, right? Oh, right. You you have a lot of moms who throw around the well, just wait till your father comes home. And that's where I was headed next. Yeah. It's a lot of times again, the blueprint mm-hmm. is what it is. We know what the history of males and fathers, et cetera. But that blueprint on the mom's side, it's like, oh, you're the one who needs to handle this. Mm-hmm. You're the one who needs to do this. But then a lot of times what happens to us, to us men, and this happened to me personally, was 
you jump into that role uh-huh. and then they undo it and you're like, well, uh, uh, that, uh, that kills me. You're like, well, yes. one second, hold on a second. You want me to be this person, but then I'm too much or too less or too this. And so, and that's really where that fairness that I was talking about earlier really needs to come in, exactly. right? Because it's it's fairness and also respect. I think as parents, from the parents' perspective, right? Like, you you need to respect your partner enough to allow them to discipline. And and let's say that your partner goes a little over what you would have wanted, right? That you don't correct in front of the kids, but that you allow what happened, and then you pull them aside. Right, exactly. away from the kids, and you're like, "Hey, I think you were a little too hard on him, right?" Or I would have done this differently. Can we do this differently the next time? Yeah, cool. And and that that to me, you have to have a plan. Yeah. Yes. You, you, and it's of course we walk into it like, oh, we're supposed to love this thing, yay! And then we love it. Then it's they're crying, you feed them, and they cry. Then they get older and they turn to toddlers, and it's mm-hmm. the terrific twos. Terrific, right. ter- ter- one of those. What are those T words? The but terrible it, twos. The terrible twos. Yes. But it, it gets to that point. And then that's where most men were like, ha ha, I don't know what to do. Like, I thought I did great, like rocking the baby and like taking for walks and stuff like that. Where it's, but now they're showing a personality and now you don't know what to do. Now you don't know what to do. And then when they do, when they do act out, because they're, mm-hmm. they're emotional, they run high on emotions mm-hmm. because that's, not, that's, not, that's how they know how to react yeah. or how to get a reaction from them. And so we're just like, you're crying, stop crying. Or you're this, stop doing that. Instead of like really kind of understanding. And then moms who really there is a, they do have that more tenderness when it comes to other, okay, let's, let's, what's going on? What's the and matter? Then, I think that's how we're socialized, right? It was women were socialized to understand and sympathize and empathize, right? Stereotypically though, I think as men, um, we're social, they're socialized to problem self, to exactly. fix right? And so how do you fix a screaming two-year-old who barely has some language? Yeah. Right? Like that becomes out of your wheelhouse. If, if you go, if main tool in your box is to like fix it and they're just, you know, throwing a tantrum because they, they didn't get their favorite yogurt <laughs> or some course, because you have to turn off, you know, TV. Um, how do you, you right? How do you fix that? Did I could see how that becomes overwhelming when there's not been enough on teaching on how to deal with that. And I think to your plan, your point, right? Not having a plan for, hey, when kiddo acts like this, these are the different things we could do. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, when it comes to everything, when it, when it comes to the idea of father, mother, and honestly, we know that family dynamics are always different. There's different family dynamics when it comes to maybe split households or single parenthood or whatever the case is. But when it comes to the I, the role of fatherhood, we have to have a pretty much a role set in place that says, hey, this is this is how we want to raise our kids. Mm-hmm. And then and dad, yes, we want you to be the male representative of the family. Yeah. We want you to be the provider and the protector and everything else. But at the same time, I want you to be a little bit I want you to be more empathetic or emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand that. When it comes to generational curses of any any sort, yeah. any sort, it could stop with us any moment, and that just goes with easy communication. And so, I mean, wrapping everything up that we've talked about because we could go on for hours we on this. Um, wrapping everything up, we talked about. I think the importance you said is we talk about breaking or re- recreating a blueprint for fatherhood. Mm-hmm. 
moving forward. And then having those conversations with your spouse or with your, and especially with your kids. Right. And knowing that what we do now, as your dad shaped you to be your person and to have an understanding to have your mindset and to like, you know, I should be treated as such. Yeah. That as fathers, we play an important role, not just making sure our kids get to school on time, but making sure when they get older and when they have their kids and so on and so on, that we create this blueprint of empathy, of respect, but at the same time of protection and of care. I also really want to emphasize um, there's also an important place, I think, for dads to still show up and, and do these things even later in life, right? Because um, I imagine with some of your audience, it's, it's not going to always be new dads, right? Or dads with, with younger children, right? But maybe they have a 20-something-year-old child or 30-something-year-old child. And it doesn't mean that it's too late. I think that's a really big emphasis is it's not too late to still cultivate these things, to open up these conversations. It may be foreign, it may be hard, but it, it's not too late. And it's, I think, significantly impactful. You know, I have a lot of people I work with who, um, you know, 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who want to have corrective experiences with their fathers, especially now in that kind of tender age where their dads are like in their late 60s or 70s and they're, you know, worrying about how long will dad still be here, um, where they're, they're eager to still have like a better relationship, even if it's much later in life. When I, I, talk, I talked about this in previous episodes, one of the most important things as a parent yeah. is have a relationship. Is, is your kids wanting to hang out with you when you guys are adults? Mm-hmm. And having that relationship, because we all know as we get older, our parents get older. Right. And, and it's, I would want to know that my kids were there for me as I was, mm-hmm. as I am there for them. The, ro- the roles kind of change. and do, and I think that's such a hard thing for parents in general to accept, is. right? Because and it, and it is. I mean, here's this precious little thing from the day one you are in charge of completely and thoroughly, right? And then to automatically accept that at like 23, you're supposed to just shut that off. Like, that's a lot of years of doing that to automatically shut off this imaginary light switch, right? Well, and you made a point earlier, and I know we talked about with Sky that you want to be a parent that when something happens, no matter what, if they're in high school, middle school, elementary, if they're 30, 40, 50 years old, that if something happens, they know who to call. Mm-hmm. And as dads, we cherish that. We, like, I know when, when my kiddos come to me and say, dad, guess what? Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, I saw this, or I found a Pikachu card or right. whatever it is, here is seeing that excitement that they want to just tell me whatever's on their mind, whatever's on their heart at that moment. Like, no matter what is the most like that dad guess what my like senses open up like i get so excited because i'm like oh wait you want to tell me something like you want to tell me your dad like oh that's great that's awesome and so i want that to be dad guess what i think i found the one dad guess what i got the promotion dad guess what this this and that i want to have that for the for the my entirety of my life and and but that starts with us and our relationship with them. That's not their job to... To seek you out. It's the other way around. It really is. And I think that that's a really important message and a really part of that dynamic. It's it's not, you know, I've, I've also heard from dads, right? And, you know, when I'm working with, because I primarily work with adults, we're like, you know, my kid doesn't come to me. And I'm like, well, how have you fostered that? Exactly. And it's like, well, they just should. And I'm like, 
So if you've never laid down that groundwork, then why do we expect that spontaneously that they would suddenly turn to you now that you guys are closer, right? And in, in this like steam adulthood space, like it doesn't work out. It doesn't. And, and dads, if you feel like, well, shoot, I followed the wrong blueprint. I, I don't have that relationship with my kids. Yeah. It's not too late. It's really not. And and it might not be overnight or it might be overnight. Just try. Just reach out to your kids. Absolutely. Well, this was an absolute pleasure. I'm Thank excited you. to hear her back and all that fun stuff. But we always Very finish. It's a privilege to be here. No, I'm on and I would love to have you back on. Love to. Um, but as we always finish with a dad joke, and I know you're not a dad, and guys don't get mad. Why is this woman on live radio? I can't believe it. Um, yeah, let's hear your joke. All right. So, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Just one. But that light bulb really has to want to know how it wants to need to change. Okay, I get it. I get it. Uh, here's mine. Um, I mean, golly, it's already end of July. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost August. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes me afraid for the calendar. This year's going by fast. It makes me afraid for the calendar <laughs> because his days are numbered. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Dr. Najar, for joining us um, on How to Father. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, Next week, we're going to have another great, great um, guest on talking about fathering and coaching and everything else in between. Uh, Thank you worldwide, everyone that's been listening. We have over 550 downloads thus far, so we're getting close to 1,000. So I'm super stoked about that. So again, if you have any questions, we're on Instagram. How to Father Pod is our handle, or you can email us, How to Father pod at gmail.com do you have any final thoughts before we go um just dads don't forget how incredibly valuable you are in your kids life and it's never too late it's never too late Natasha Dr. Nazar thank you so very much thank you very much for having me let's see you guys on the next one